It's Jelani Matthews here, back with Breaking the Mold. Uh, today I'm super excited. Uh, I have a special guest who I've connected with um, on multiple occasions. Met him uh, at our local church here in San Diego, uh, The Rock, uh, specifically City Heights. And I just have been impressed with this guy, um, his character, uh, the person that I've seen him on and off, you know, social media in person, and the relationships that he's had. Um, and is just a really good guy and I feel like uh, this is a great opportunity to get to know him more. So I want to welcome you Conroy Smith um, on to Breaking the Mold. Thank you, appreciate it. I'm excited to, to chat with you. So as you guys know, um, the goal with this podcast is essentially uh, connect mentors in the community, African American men who are successful in their own rights. Uh, to the stories of young men who are in uh, school facing similar challenges that we have as adults and just kind of bridging the gaps between um, you know what it what it was that got us to where we're at and kind of sharing that guidance and advice for our students so when I uh, connected with Conroy I was really impressed with his background so I'm gonna just let Conroy uh, tell a little bit more about his upbringing um, and, and go from there. So, Conroy, uh, you mentioned that you grew up in Pennsylvania. Yes, sir. So, what what was that like gr growing up on the East Coast? Yeah, growing up on the East Coast, um, you know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I wasn't really near, like, a big city. You know, Philly and Pittsburgh are about two and a half hours away. So, mm -hmm. I grew up in the country, um, which, was, which was very unique. You know, my, my hometown was predominantly white. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I didn't have a lot of culture to, to my hometown. So it was, it was very interesting growing up, you know, there's a yeah. lot of mixed couples, you know, black and white couples. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, it was definitely unique how to grow up in like a small town like that to, to kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause, um, I, I also grew up in a small uh, town that was predominantly white in Texas. And there's a lot of factors that I'm sure you could speak on in regards to how you conduct yourself as an African-American, especially as a boy, you're kind of figuring yourself out, um, you know, during that time where you look different than everybody else. What was that like um, growing up African-American in a predominantly white town? And how did you handle those challenges? Yeah, so, so for me, um, I didn't really experience racism um, too often, you know, there's maybe two two occasions where I kind of experienced it, but, mm -hmm. you know, carrying myself in a way that was respectful um, was just how I was raised, right. you know, um, I, I grew up with my grandparents, and my grandfather, he actually remarried, and the woman he remarried was white, so I grew up with a white grandma and a black grandfather, so... Um, it was very easy for me to fit in with black people, with white people. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then those, those two occasions of, of racism, um, one was when I was like younger, you know, we used to live in a trailer court and the, these people were like saying slandering words to me as I was getting the mail and I was, I was like, I had to be in the fifth grade or something. So like it hit different. Yeah. And then 
the second time was when I was older in high school. Um, I was like interested in this girl, and she was like, "Well, you know, we can't tell my dad." Hmm. I was like, "What do you mean? We can't tell my dad because he doesn't like black people." And I was like, "I just didn't think that still happened." Yeah. So that that was that was that was very unique. Um, That was like the main things that I grew up around. But everything else, you know, I had some good friends who um, didn't really see me different. And it's apparent that you've taken a lot of that upbringing and how um, you were raised to be respectful and no matter the environment or, or, you know, the lack of culture, whatever the case may be, into uh, adulthood or um, in college. What what was that experience like going to Liberty University? Because isn't that, that's a private school, right? Yeah, Liberty okay. University is a private Christian school, um, one of the largest Christian schools in the, in the, in the world, and... Same, same thing. It, it was it was predominantly white as well. Um, but obviously, you know, doing sports, being on the track team, I was able to come in contact with you know more more culture. Um, and by culture, I also mean like different uh, ethnicities. You know, a lot of different countries are represented at Liberty. One of my best friends, he's Malaysian. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it was pretty cool to be able to to continue to expand my cultural view. You know, you grew up in a small town. I mean, as you know, you grew up in this small town and, and you know, people are kind of set in their ways. Yeah. So then when you when we go to a bigger town or a bigger school, mm-hmm. it's like, wow, I'm, everything's expanding a little bit more. Yeah. That's interesting that you speak on that because, um, I don't know if you knew this, but I went to Oral Roberts University and... I, I know there's a lot of parallels that people make between Liberty and, and, and Oral Roberts, so I get that feeling of like, okay, it's a private, small Christian school, but then it's also, you go from like a small town to the university is the next biggest phase in your life, and so you have a lot of those experiences that are, you're at the age 18 or 19 or whatever the case may be, where you're kind of figuring life out, you know, you're you're not under your caregiver's roof anymore, and, and so now you come to this crossroads where for me personally, you know, I came to a crossroads where I had to find out my identity. Am I a basketball player, which I tried to confine myself to being in which I was like, okay, those are my friends. These are the people I hang out with. That's who I am. And then when that ended, it kind of was like, okay, I don't know who I am anymore. So uh, you mentioned you, you were in sports. Did you kind of have any of those experiences where it was like transitioning from small town to university like my identity's wrapped in this scholarship or was it more so uh just having a new experience absolutely you know i i, I had this conversation yesterday mm-hmm. um and it's very interesting because i feel like i had a you know you, you mentioned the crossroad i feel like i had my crossroad um you know after track you know, I was a track guy, and then once I graduated, I became a personal trainer, and then I was like, hey, I still want to compete, so I started to play rugby, and that's when I eventually, you know, you know, ended up making Team USA, and then that's where it happened, where I had to figure out my identity, because mm-hmm. I wasn't the best player, um, you know, I wasn't used to, you know, how rugby moves, you know, like when we travel, when we go out of the country, and that's where I really had to find out who I was because I could not put my identity fully in rugby because I, 
I wasn't the best, you know, right. and I wasn't as comfortable with it. Um, if I had to own what I believed as as Conroy, like mm. what did I believe? And you know, even doing rugby, continue to expand my view and expand my reach, and it was just like, you know what? Um, I I'm currently playing rugby, but this is who I am. You know, I. You know, I'm a believer in, in Jesus, and I'm going to stand true to that. I'm going to stand true to my character. I'm going to be a man of my word. I'm going to be a man of honor. And those are things I've really had to have a sit-down with myself about. Yeah, I think that's huge because it's it's something that I think, especially in the African-American community uh, and, and among men specifically, that we all face at some point in our life, I think. Um, for a majority of African-American young men and, and the students that I work with, uh, at some point in their life, if they haven't already gotten over it, it's like sports is their biggest, uh, you know, their biggest goal. So it's like, I'm going to make it to the league. I'm on NFL, NBA, whatever the case may be. Uh, I'm the best, I'm the best player in middle school. I'm the best player in high school. And it's just like, you know, you, you try hard not to discourage their goals and the aspect that you want them to strive for that. But at the same time, you know, once you become an adult, you see the process happen over and over again, where it's like once that phase of your life ends, you know, what else do you have in the bucket? And one of our goals has always been to really encourage and empower students to be able to add on top of, you know, their goals with skills or development or anything that they can take from sports and and implement it into a business or a career, whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah. you, you mentioned going back to your roots of, you know, what did I truly believe in? How did you make that transition into being satisfied with just being Conroy and, and okay with who you were? And how did you move forward once that season was over? Yeah, I mean, as many of us, you know, African-American, you know, athletes, it, it's a long process. And sometimes I feel like there's things that make it abrupt because we, we don't we don't necessarily catch the sign. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think for me, you know, I was with Team USA up until, you know, uh, Rio Olympics. Okay. Uh, part of the Olympic training crew before the 2016 Olympics. And when it came, count, came down for the selections, I just missed out. There was... 22 of us, I took 15 to Rio, so I just missed out. Mm-hmm. After that, they just ended my contract. So I was left here, Southern California. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania. With I, was, I had no job. I had no job. I, they kind of just burned me, you know? Yeah. So I was, I, was, I was very bitter towards the sport. But, you know, I kept playing with local teams and club teams. Um, but then I had to reevaluate, you know, do I want to invest, you know, my life into a sport that wasn't necessarily investing back in me? Mm-hmm. And and that's what I really had to come to grips with. And it was like, you know, I like the sport, but I don't love it. Yeah. Why not do things that I actually, actually love, you know, and that bring me life? And not saying that rugby didn't bring me life, but it was more like, it was more draining. So I was like, how can I, how can I switch? How is this shift going to happen? And when that shift happened, I was still able to like, you know, play rugby for free or for fun, excuse me. And, you know, still talk to those guys and impact those guys. But now it's like, I can, you know, impact people at my job 
Wow, I think that's crucial in the aspect of that mind. It, it sounded like a mind shift change when you went from, you know, rugby was your life to now, how do I use my experience to impact other people's lives? Um, and that's something that, like, I can relate to, and I know so many others. It was like there was all of a sudden, and, and like you said, this is a long process. I mean, I'm I'm 27. How, how old are you? I'm 28. 28 so i'm assuming there was at least you know two to five to six seven years of this process to get to where we're at today where it was like okay this is no longer about me in this aspect of my identity in this sport but now it's like okay how do i serve other people and i think this is an opportunity today where like it's like okay how does this help serve um, the students behind us or, or the young men behind us who are going to go through that same process. But that mind shift change is kind of like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's just kind of uh, a phase where it's like, man, like I can enjoy playing basketball just to play basketball. I don't have to be the best. I don't have to be everybody. I don't, you know, I, it's not something that I'm so wrapped up in as my identity that if I lose, then it's like, I feel like a failure. You know what I mean? So, um, being a man and, and on a professional team, like, what was that like? I'm sure there was a lot of things that came along with playing on a sports professional sports team, specifically representing USA. Like, uh, did you feel that you handled that season well? Were there some things that you could wish you would go back and do over? Like, what was that like? It was, it was, it was fun, right? It was mm-hmm. a time that I will remember and cherish forever, but it was definitely hard. Mm-hmm. Track and field, which is a individual sport um, that I was good at, I knew how it ran, to a team sport that I've never played before, but, you know, you can't keep speed, you know, so I, I, I the learning curve was crazy, mm-hmm. but I was playing, I was playing locally, you know, locally, you know, when I was living in Virginia after college, and then, you know, I quickly progressed. And, you know, within six months, I was flying back and forth um, to the Olympic Training Center out in San Diego mm-hmm. to train with USA. And then eventually they moved me out here at the beginning of 2016. Um, so when I came out here, the speed of professional rugby and Olympic-style sport was crazy. So, like, <laughs> I was already
you know, shedding light on some of my teammates, some of my opponents, because rugby is a unique sport where after the game you hang out with the people you just played. Yeah. Which is, which is not like any other sport, so that was new to me too. <laughs> it's cool because it, it's like camaraderie. Wow. And I was, I was able to build connections. I have connections all throughout the world because of, of rugby. So it was a great experience. I think what I would have done differently mm-hmm. um, I probably would have saved more money and um, <laughs> not spent because I, I mean I didn't get paid much like it was it was I get paid more now than I did when I was playing rugby right because rugby's like a B a C a C level sport in the US and we don't really get paid um, so it was I would have saved more money mm-hmm. um, and then I also would have. Uh, explored more when we traveled. Okay. Built more relationships with 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 the teammates and opponents. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's uh one of the things that if I could look back, I'm like, man, that time when I was in college, if I could have used that time to develop relationships, um, which yeah. which is a huge thing. Like like I mentioned earlier, it's kind of like you're in you're in your sports group, and it's like that's your family. So you kind of feel like you don't really need anybody else, but, you know, there's going to come a day when uh, that family's no longer there, and it's like like you said, you wish you could go back and and have established those relationships. Um, but, you know, ultimately it comes down to, you know, where you are today, and it sounds like you kind of use that rugby experience to get to where you're at. Um, what attributes or... Um, characteristics of your rugby professional rugby experience or even your track experience at college do you believe translated into your success today as a personal trainer um and the impact that you're making in the community one of the quotes our my rugby coach would say and this pertains to track as well is get comfortable being uncomfortable hmm I think there's, there's a lot of times in sports where you have to go to that dark place because this workout sucks or this is a close game or, you know, I'm just not feeling it today, but I got to get through. So when, when, that, when, I, when I shifted and, you know, stopped playing sports and started focusing more on my um, professional, you know, personal training career, mm-hmm. um, I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, putting myself out there doing things that, you know, I wasn't used to doing with, you know, meeting people. And then finding ways to push people in ways that, you know, they're getting comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, how what's my niche? Yeah. What, how can I impact the community that's still unique to me? Because I'm not trying to be, you know, the next... I'm not trying to be the next Jelani, right? I'm not yeah. trying to be the next you know, Rob or, or Kyle, I want to be Conroy. So how can I put my flavor on what I do? Wow. It's my niche. How can I love on people that makes it true to me? Wow. That's really good because it, it's not, it's not about trying to be like anybody else. Like it's, you may, you may see success in another area and be like, this guy's doing this really well. And I feel like that's, that's a huge message in today's society is like, hey, I, I made it to success, follow my path of how I got there. And I think many people miss out 
on their own unique, you know, gifts and talents because they're so busy trying to look like somebody else. And yeah. it puts them in a place where it's like you're, you're, you're constantly comparing yourself. You're constantly um, falling short because you're trying to be something that you were never meant to be. And that's not to say that people can't have similar success stories or be successful in the same you know, industries or whatever, but I think the perspective that you have and it's what, you know, what is my niche? What is it that I can offer value to people around me that doesn't take away from the person I am or the character that I have? Um, I think it's crucial, especially for, you know, young men who are trying to figure themselves out while at the same time, you know, uh, wanting to stick true to who they are and who they grew up with and, um, I think that that's, that's huge perspective to have. One of the things that I wanted to touch on, um, was your education. So I, I noticed that you graduated with, um, exercise science degree and you're now working in that profession. Um, a lot of students that I've spoken with or who have graduated from college have degrees in fields that they're not now working um, I'm, I myself, uh, was a psychology major, which I feel like contributed towards, you know, what I'm doing now in finance. Um, and I'm passionate about psychology and I love working with people, talking to people, but I do feel like, um, there are those of us who go to college maybe just because that's what we're supposed to do or parents said, that's the only option I have. So at the time I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I'm just going to choose this major. Now I can't find a job, especially in this market today. How did you, did you know that you wanted to, um, work in the profession of exercise science like you are today before you got to college? Or was that a process, um, during college, after college? Like, what did that look like building up for you? Yeah. So as I was, you know, training, I'm in high school, you know, getting ready for college and trying to play college sports. I was working with a trainer back home. His name is Doug Lex, and his daughter was, you know, a few years older than me, and she was in college. And I'm like, man, what is she studying? Because I would love to do this. Like, I would love to train people, you know, teach them biomechanics, how to run faster, how to, you know, cut better. And he was like, yeah, she, she's doing exercise science, I'm like, that's it. Hmm. So, you know, as I looked at, I only ever applied to Liberty University because I wanted to play sports at a Division one level and go to a Christian school. And then Liberty happened to do that, and they had exercise science, and I was like, that's it. Nice. <laughs> One-stop shop. Um, and, you know, I've always wanted to work in fitness and with the body and, you know, I just think the body is so fascinating of what it can do and what it can produce. So I was like, this is definitely what I want to do. You know, if I can't go to the Olympics, maybe I can train somebody to go to the Olympics. Mm, that's good. That's uh, I think that's part of that mind shift change that I was talking about earlier um, in the aspect that, like, instead of taking the point at which you are no longer, quote-unquote, good enough to compete as a failure... Uh, now using what you have learned and experienced uh, to benefit others. And if correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm assuming that you get quite a bit of gratification out of doing so and helping other people. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's nothing like seeing, um, you know, now I work in group fitness. I 
work with a lot of adults of all fitness levels. You know, there's nothing like seeing you know a person at your your training man on the treadmill come up to me after class and say, "Hey, I ran a mile mm-hmm. for the first time since middle school." Wow. You know, or you know, I I did two push-ups today. I did two full push-ups today. You're like, you know, this little wins. Or hey, Carl, like, since I've started training, you know, I lost 20 pounds, and it's just like, there's nothing like that. You know, that's what I live for. You know, obviously not every day is like that, but when you get those small moments with with members, and sometimes it's not even like the best member in in the class. It's yeah. like the person who doesn't really talk, who just comes in and works hard. Wow. And they're like, I'm like, hey, did you just run that whole time? And they look at me and smile. And say, yes. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. For those who are listening, we're during a period that we're quarantined. And so everybody's pretty much trying to work out from home. And so I'm like looking at Conroy's workout videos. And I'm like, man, I got to I gotta step my game up. Because Conroy's out here with the new exercises every day. I think the other day I did, uh, what was it, the 100 burpees? Full body yeah. burpees? Yeah, I, I, I was hurting, dude. I was dizzy on the ground. Like, it was it was ridiculous. Uh, one of the last things I wanted to touch on uh, was the money aspect. You mentioned earlier that you're making way more money now than you did uh, back when you were playing rugby. Uh, I talked to a lot of students and their perspective in getting into sports or trying to make it to league or anything like that is they want to take their family uh, out of their current situation, which I'm assuming is not very good, uh, and you know use sports to... Um, buy mom a house or get dad a car like you kind of see with a lot of the athletes and how they tell their story my goal has always been okay that's a great goal to reach for but in case that doesn't happen here are other avenues in which people are making just as much if not more money doctors lawyers personal athletes personal trainers um, you know whatever the case may be and there's other avenues that you can do that can you talk a little bit about how, like, that transition from being a professional athlete to now you're a professional certified trainer and the money that you make? It's interesting because, you know, as you grow up, you're like, you know, I want to go to the league. I want to go to the NFL. Never did I ever think I was going to play rugby. So mm-hmm. that was like a late in life goal. You know, my goal was to go to the NFL. And then once I was over football, I was like, okay. Maybe I can go to the Olympics. And even with track, you know, we don't make a lot of money. Yeah. So it was just like, I just know I'm not going to make a lot of money with the sports I'm choosing, which is okay. Mm-hmm. Because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's key. You know, whether whether you do want to be a professional athlete, you need to love what you're doing. Right. But also keep in perspective that you still need to get an education because um, professional sports isn't going to be forever. Right. Um, you know, we, we, we think, I think about, you know, some dominant athletes, like, you know, the tight end for the Patriots, Rob Gronkowski, this man retired and I think he, he's younger than 35. Um, and that was, that's a whole lot of life to still live. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you still, I still got my education in, in training because I can always do that. I can do that mm-hmm. if I'm playing sports, if I'm professional sports or not. I can still train people. Right. And you know, it's really crazy. Like during this quarantine, we're really seeing who the essential people are in this world. Wow. And the crazy thing is, it's not athletes. Wow. It's not. It's 
not the athletes, you know, we got people who are doctors who are going into the front line, you know, police officers, firemen, you know, trainers are motivating people via, uh, virtually. Mm-hmm. So it, we're, we're really seeing what the essentials are, you know. And wow. Yeah, the athletes make the big bucks, but you also aren't in control of your your life, really, your schedule, you know. When I was playing rugby, um, you know, they control my life. You know, we had practice this day, this day, this day. We had a day off, you know. When mm-hmm. you just oh, go and take care of your body, all these things. It's like, it's cool because you get to be on TV, mm-hmm. but, you know, you don't really get to control your life. Wow, that's that's so good in the aspect that you just mentioned. Who are the crucial, essential people today? And it's like, well, we see the athletes on the instant. They're sitting on the couch just like us. So, Conroy, I want to thank you so much for connecting with me today. I think you provided such a great insight from your experience and what you're doing as a personal trainer. Um, do you have any shout outs or anything that you would like to share? Social media tags, you know, we're trying to be a plug here. So is there anything that you would like to share or any message that you would like to give to, uh, you know, students that would be listening to this podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my Instagram is Conroy underscore train. That's C-O-N-R-O-Y underscore T-R-A-I-N-S. And honestly, you know, I, I say do what you're passionate about and chase after it. You know, it's going to get uncomfortable, um, whether it's sports or not. You know, if you're, if you're chasing sports, make sure you are also getting education. Hmm. Education yeah. is so key, especially in the African-American in the African-American community. That's good stuff, man. Like I said, I appreciate you uh, spending time with me this morning. Um I'm looking forward to the next time we can connect. Like I said, guys, we're on quarantine right now, so I haven't seen Conroy for probably a month and a half now. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing through this. But I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, this is Breaking the Mold, and we'll see you next time.